All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of How to Beat Your Addiction and Live a Quality Life. John Giordano, and I'm Scott Jones. And, uh, John, how are you doing, man? I'm alive and above ground, Scott. I'm doing pretty good. Alive and, and above ground. And I'm healthy. Okay. Thank God. Right. Alive and above ground is setting the bar pretty low, so healthy's good. You added yeah, something. Right. I, had, I had to add something else to it. Yeah. How about happy? I'm wonderfully happy. Yeah? Yes. I, you have the, I have the best wife in the whole world and the best friends in the world. <laughs> so you can't beat it. Yeah, well, when we're all sitting in the room, he says things like that. But uh, Listen, you know. <laughs> the check's in the mail, right? That's right, that's right. <laughs> um, so, John, uh, how are, you know, I guess just people are going to get to know you a lot more and stuff. And I just want to know, how are you personally doing with the COVID crisis and all the things going on? Have you and your family made adjustments and are you doing well? Well, you know, it, it it really helped me a lot, believe it or not, uh, because I'm always running around doing this, doing that. It it forced me to focus more, and that's how I wrote the book. Right. You know, the kid from the South Bronx who never gave up to help people and motivate them and things like that, and how I got into doing the podcast now and, uh, and writing for a, a magazine and doing a lot of stuff that uh, I wasn't focused on before. Well, that's great. And if you want to know more information about John's books, which is How to Beat Your Addiction and Live a Quality Life, as long as the kid who... Uh, the kid from the South Bronx who never gave up. kid from the South Bronx who never gave up. It's too long. I can't remember Anybody from the words. Bronx out there, by the way? I know it. There's probably two or three, right? We're in Florida. I mean, half the people are from New York City. So It's not my fault. It's <laughs> you, They followed you. Um, but you can go to John's website. It's on the screen. But if you're listening to this, it's johnjgiordano.com. So right. Very simple. johnjgiordano.com. Uh, go and check it out. You get all the information and uh, contact information. But more importantly, uh, how you can get a hold of the books and, uh, and, and read about them. Yeah, well, on Amazon, you can get a hold of How to Beat Your Addiction and Live a Quality Life. Oh, excellent. Yeah, the other one's going to be coming out shortly. There, uh, It's in the editing department right now. And uh, I just got a few books that they sent me. But um, it's going to be really interesting. It was kind of like, for those of you in recovery, it's kind of like doing the fourth step when I did this book. It brought up all kinds of stuff. So this was really a personal job for you to do yeah. these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you definitely want to get involved in that. And we spoke in the uh, previous episodes. If you haven't seen them, please uh, check them out. Um, about COVID crisis and taking yeah, and care about how of to yourself. take care of yourself, how to build your immune system through, yeah. you know, doing a, a, a vitamin C and Codiceps, which are mushrooms and D three and zinc. Uh, listen, if you build your immune system up, you have less of a chance of getting a serious illness, and that's just the way it is. Our bodies can fight a lot of this stuff. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't eat properly, they don't exercise, they don't take nutrients. Uh, and they get sick. That's how they have diabetes, have high blood pressure. You know, you really got to take care of yourself. Otherwise, who's going to? Absolutely. And we spoke about, you know, some early recovery things with the COVID and people having to go to online meetings and doing things like that and work a little bit harder. But I don't want to ignore, and I thought we could talk about this today, you know, I don't want to ignore the fact that there are some real things that happen 
with or without the COVID crisis, that people have to deal with, especially at the very beginning of their recovery from addiction. And the first one I want to hit you with, and I, and I love hitting you with this stuff because I want your experience and you can share with everybody, is there tends to be, I mean, you may have those moments of, of everything's wonderful and the pink cloud and I love this, but there are a lot of moments in early recovery of really negative feelings and thoughts that happen. You know, uh, whether it's anger or shame or guilt or resentment, these things pop up. What, what are some good strategies to deal with those things right at the beginning when you're so on edge? Well, let, let me first say this. Even if you have many years in recovery, those things still come up. Not as often, not as strong. And that's why, you know, in the recovery program and going to therapy, um, it teaches us how to deal with those things. Is it easy? Absolutely not. That what time gives you is gives you the experience that you can't be successful in dealing with these situations. Death, divorce, loss of jobs, loss of health. Yes. You know, uh, you got to be careful that you don't get into the poor me's. Because the poor me's never make it anywhere. You know, they go down that slippery slope and then we wind up using drugs. So how to deal with some of this stuff. Early recovery. You know, I'm going back. I mean, I'm in recovery now going on 36 years. But I keep it fresh because I'll never forget all the trials and tribulations that I went through early in recovery. I went through divorce. I went through deaths. Um, I mean, on and on, betrayals and loss of jobs and, you know, being homeless. And listen, I know what that's like. And I know a lot of you do also out there that are suffering from this this addiction, or her, yours or her addictions or whatever, all right? And remember, addiction comes in many flavors, okay? Mm-hmm. We got drugs, we got alcohol, we got eating disorders, we got sex addiction, we got gambling addiction, spending addiction. Spending addiction I like a little bit, but not too much. Uh, the bottom line is, is that there are ways out of this. Okay, and some of those ways we're going to be talking about, like right now. Okay, first of all, you have to get yourself centered. Um, and you don't have to, you know, join a religion. Okay, but you want to get some kind of spirituality. Now, most people say, "What is spirituality?" And mm-hmm. spirituality is different for any people. Uh, for me, it's learn to be kind instead of right. All right, help people less fortunate than you. Do your best not to lie, cheat, or steal. Um, And just live a healthy life and and reaching out and helping people less fortunate than you. To me, that's spirituality. Um, It's not found in a church. It's not found in in a book. It's found inside of us. And that light is inside of us. You just have to look for it. And sometimes you don't have to look for it all. It's right in front of your nose. That's how you hide things from addicts, by the way. Put it right in front of them. Right in front of them. They go, where is it? Yes. Well, John, you made a great point that, you know, uh, difficulties in life aren't just reserved for people who are new in recovery. It's for everybody. Right. Everybody has difficulties. And if nothing, if we haven't learned anything from 2020, we should have learned, expect the unexpected. Things are going to happen. You have to be able to roll with the punches. But when somebody's just maybe they're fresh out of a rehab and they're 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 trying to put things together and and they've 
they have these negative circumstances or negative thoughts. And you just explained how, you know, you've had uh, uh, problems in business and lost jobs and homeless in your early recovery. Are there any really tangible things you can do besides the standard just go to a meeting, which is very important, go to a meeting and get fellowship and, and talk to a sponsor? But is there anything else you could do, maybe physical or... or okay, a- first of all, you have to do this. You have to deplete stress. Stress is a killer for us. Right. When we get stressed out, we look for medications. We look to medicate ourselves in whatever form we can. And and the bottom line is, look, when I first got into recovery, I didn't believe any of this stuff. I'm a street kid. You know, I'm from Missouri. No, I'm actually from New York. But, <laughs> you know, but, you know you, you, I don't believe people. So, you know, when these people are telling me, oh, you know, just, you know, go to therapy. Therapy, what is somebody going to, I'm going to talk to them and they're going to help me? I said, give me a break already. And I'm not going to tell them things I did, you know. But when you give up that persona and that false ego, okay, and you start to share about what's really going on with you instead of stuffing it down inside like I think most of us do, whether you're an addict or not, all right, and we put it in that room where that door's closed. But what we don't realize is that it's still there alive and well. And it affects our everyday life. It affects our emotions. So what you have to learn is to surrender. And surrender, I used to say, is a bad term. I don't surrender right. to anybody. Yeah. Okay, well, guess what? You know, if a guy walks into the room with a machine gun and he's 20 feet away, you better start thinking about surrendering. Or making a last-ditch effort to dive on the gun, which doesn't work very well, by the way. No, no. no. So, you know, what you have to understand in recovery, it's about becoming vulnerable. And, man, that's hard. That's really hard to to trust anybody. Okay? And, look, you know, people go, I go into program, like I said when I first went into the program, these people are full of crap. Okay, all they, you know, this guy's looking at the girl. He's looking to pick up this new girl. You know, uh, they're looking to make a deal outside after these meetings. You know, I thought it was all baloney. But I kept going. They said, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. That's what I did. And little bit by slowly, I changed. But you want to know something, Scott? I was the last one to see that. I said, you didn't even see the change that no, was happening said, in you. Everything's the same. Nothing's different. They said, did you use today? I said, no. Well, John, something already did change. Right. And, and, and what I didn't realize that when I was using, my life was really bad, mm-hmm. like most of us. And, you know, it's, it's easy to, to forget the bad part. All we want to look for is the buzz, you know, getting high, you know. And um, today getting high is helping another human being through this hell, you know, that we are in, and um, hopefully they get recovery. You know, some of the things you could do is start to take care of yourself, all right? You don't get another self, you only get one, okay? One that I know of anyway. And the bottom line is, if you start learning to take care of yourself, you'll start feeling better. Because I don't know about you, but what I was using, I didn't eat properly. Um, yeah, I exercise, but really I'm smoking a cigarette and I'm working out. I mean, you know, it was like a joke. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, smoking a cigarette and hitting a heavy bag, you know. <laughs> yeah, I thought those trays, you know, on those uh, those uh, treadmills, 
you had the tray. I thought that was for your Coca Cola and your Doritos. No, that was uh, for so my you cocaine. Have a snack. Well, I, that was... <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> Forget the Doritos. All right. Oh, if I do this Coke, I'll be I'll be able to run faster. You know. I mean, you know. Listen, recovery from drugs and alcohol and other behaviors is is not an easy road. Okay, if right. you're looking for an easy road, there isn't any. But I'm going to tell you this, it's a lot easier than what we were doing when we were using. I think it's important that people uh, look back on the reality of their using as they move forward. Because a lot of times when things start to get a little difficult for newcomers especially, but even for people with some time, when things get difficult, loss of job or stress or something like that, it's easy to look back and glorify the using time and saying, God, I was happy back then. Everything was great back then. But that's not the truth. So knowing the truth about what the using really was is important, isn't it? Well, here's the deal. Look, you know, how many times did our addiction fool us? How many times did it say, well, I'm not going to do it again? And uh, an hour later, three days later, here we are again. And then we get depressed about doing it. And then we do it again. Then we get depressed, then we do it again. So if you want to go on that roller coaster ride, and by the way, that roller coaster ride ends in death, institutions, and jail. And that's true. Okay? And I think what's worse than death, I, I know addicts that got paralyzed, uh, blind. I uh, had one client, yeah. uh, he didn't take out his contact lens for about a month. And he got an eye disease and he lost his eye. Wow. I mean, look, if things are not going on in your life, that means you're dead. Right. It's as simple. Shit happens, Okay. And we always go into the poor and we say, oh, it's only happening to me. And if I could have, would have, should have, give me a break already, okay? All of us as human beings are going through all of this stuff. But this is what makes you stronger. And people don't realize that all of this stuff that we go through, okay, and as we survive it, and the way you do survive it is to reach out and get help. You know, get in the middle of a program of recovery, but most of all, get your spirituality back, even though you don't have to believe in God or whatever you want to call it or whatever, okay? Because remember, us addicts are selfish, we're self-centered. It's all about us, and it's always poor me. And it's always blaming <clears throat> somebody else. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <clears throat> exactly. I would straighten everything out if these people would stop screwing with me. I would do this if life wasn't so hard. I would do that if they didn't fire... Do it anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, she didn't go to bed. My wife didn't go to bed. I'm going to cheat on her. Hell with her, man. I'll get it someplace else. Or, you know, if this guy... Wait, wait. He, you're saying that's not okay? Of course it's not okay. Oh, okay. I just want to make sure. No. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> I thought it was okay what I was using. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, we don't care about hurting people, okay? Because we're hurt. No, you're hurting me. You know what's yeah. interesting about addicts and people in general, actually, you know... Um, we want to be forgiven for the things we've done. But, man, if you have to wait for an addict to forgive you, you're done. Yeah. You're done. A lot of people say, well, what's the difference between um, drug addicts and alcoholics? I say, well, look, here, it goes like this. Alcoholic gets drunk. He steals your stuff. <laughs> Next morning, he wakes up. He feels guilty, and he gives your stuff back. An addict steals your stuff. The next morning, he helps you look for your stuff. 
So that's that's basically <laughs> what what we do. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's a it's a wild roller coaster ride. While you know, well, life is a roller coaster ride. Yeah. It has its ups and it has its downs, and it's also thrilling. It all depends on your perception of life, how you want to look at your life, how you want to look at yourself. Okay, it's an inside job, not an outside job. You know, uh, a lot of this jargon that I'm talking right now, I never even knew existed. I never knew treatment existed. I didn't have a therapist. Tell was a therapist. I didn't know right. what the hell that was. You know, um, I'm a kid from the South Bronx. What do I know about that stuff? You know, uh, resolve issues. Yeah, you, you screw with me, I punch you in the face. You know, <laughs> you know? Uh, there's there's this program lays it out, and you know it's 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 really smart, you know, um, the way they set it up. It's all these people's experiences, strength, and hope right. that really is the guide to recovery. Look, don't hang out with the old people that you used to hang out with. Well, if you do, it's like hanging out in a barbershop. Eventually, you get a haircut. You know, it's just you know all these sayings, these cliches. Right, right. I hated them. You know, give time, time. Give me a break with give me time, time. But they're right. It takes time to heal. It took time to get sick. So, you know, and during that time, you need to stay in the middle of a program. Your spirituality. You need to meditate, okay, to calm your mind, all right? You need to, to get in, reach out to other people, all right, in recovery uh, that can guide you. You don't have to trust them. Just listen. You know, and, and, and these are some of the things. You need to start taking care of your body, okay, your mind, and most of all, your soul. Mm. Because that's what gets damaged the most, I believe. You know, all that shame, all that guilt, all that remorse, all that anger that we hold on to. It's like a, it's like a luxury for addicts, you know. This is the reasons why we use we have low self-esteem. What the hell is that? Low self-esteem is when you didn't accomplish what you thought you should or anybody else thought you could or should, and you got low self-esteem, you buy into it. Don't buy anybody's story, okay? As far as I'm concerned, a God of my understanding, okay, allowed me to be born and allowed me to live. Now, what I do with that life is up to me, okay? Um, yeah, things happen, but it's how you overcome those things okay that makes the change so let me ask you a question uh during this beginning period of time and, and uh, again i've heard your story a lot and i don't want to give away i'd love people to read the book and learn more about your story but um i know you had some really hard times very difficult times was there something that kind of drew you towards staying on the right path or was there a thought that drove you or something uh in particular, you know, because like you said, you weren't seeing the change that happened. You didn't have a big light over the bed and all of a sudden your life was different. You took time. You worked it. But what was the thing that kept pushing you? You know, that's a good question because you want to know the truth. I'm really not sure. But, and that's probably the best answer anybody can give, If you, you know? You know, I, I, you know, they tell me go to these meetings, right? I says, go to these. These meetings suck. <laughs> I don't want to go to these meetings. Uh, yeah. I don't even like, I wouldn't even get high with the people that are in the meeting. You know? <laughs> I said, what am I doing? I didn't come here to join a new religion. Okay? I don't want to come here and hear somebody's sob story. You know? 
these are the things I would say to myself. Right. But for some reason, and I choose to call it a, a power greater than myself, push me to keep going. They say, just keep going, John. Things will change. And they says, man, these people are out to lunch. Okay, I keep going. I lost my job. I'm, I'm homeless. I got divorced. Keep going? You know? And they were right. I, I really got to tell you guys, they were right. Do you think an inner city kid like me would stick around to a program for going on 36 years if it was bullshit? Listen, I might not be the smartest cookie, but I'm not stupid, okay? And that's just the way it is. Let me tell you something. If you don't believe this stuff works, fine. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm going to ask you just a couple of questions about that early time, if you don't mind. No, of course. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to kind of give you some some uh, some of the things that you were doing, and, and you kind of feed me how important that was for your early recovery. First of all, going to meetings. How important was going to meetings at the beginning? I was going to meetings every day. Okay, they were telling me go ninety ninety. I went forget it. I I just kept going for years. Okay. Now, look, after so many years, you could cut back. You can go three days a week, five days a week, one day a week, two days a week. As long as you say, stay in the center of the program, mm -hmm. okay? As long as you have, a, a, like we call it, a sponsor, somebody that guides you through these steps that these recovery programs have. Um, these steps are, 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 they call them the 12 steps. What they are is... Um, a cleansing of your inner soul. And, and, and what, it, what it does is it teaches you to look inside instead of outside and to see where you've been, okay, where you are, and then where you want to go, okay? We need a roadmap. It's like going on a, on a, on a trip, okay, and you don't have a GPS. <laughs> right. Used to be a roadmap, but now it's a GPS, <laughs> right? And sometimes I want to punch What's the a GPS. Map? <laughs> What's a map? <laughs> map who? <laughs> and um, you need a guide. And uh, you don't have to believe in the guide. Just do it. You know, I didn't believe in it, but I just kept doing it. And it was interesting. From homelessness, I got a job. Uh, from that, I opened up a treatment center. Uh I went back to school. Uh, wow, things changed. Then things happened. Okay, I got betrayed by my partners. I, I lost my business. And, and I said to myself, wait a while, I, I thought things were supposed to be great in recovery. Well, they are. Okay, shit happens. And what makes it great is your ability to weather the storm. Okay? You know, there's a saying in the karate we have, you know, to be like the oak tree, which is very strong, and a hurricane is not very wise. I'd rather be like the willow that flows with the wind, okay? So when the hurricane's over, it's still standing, and the oak is laying down on the ground. So that's what you have to learn to do. You'll have to go with the flow, as they say. You just gave me a perfect segue into my next thought, which was, I know karate has always been a part of your life or a big part of your life. Was that beneficial to you in your early recovery, being involved in that? Or what, how did it play a role in your life at That's that time? That's interesting you say that. Uh, 
it was good and it wasn't good because the good part was it gave me discipline, it gave me focus when I did what I was taught, okay? But it also hindered me. Why did it hinder me? Because my ego, my mm. pride. I'm supposed to be this guy who's so strong and weather any storm, and here I am in the treatment center, okay, spelling my guts out to some strangers who I don't even know, okay, whoever don't even really care to know, okay, and uh, I did it anyway. And, and, and what I didn't realize was that that's being courageous. And it, it takes courage to share information with strangers that you don't know. Uh, it takes courage to keep going in spite of you don't know the outcome. All right, look, all I know is this. I know the outcome if I keep going in the direction I was going. Right. I know that outcome. Okay. I mean, I know the other outcome, but I was going to these meetings and was watching people change. Now, they still were screwed up, just like me. Okay. They still had their, um, their shortcomings, but I was watching it change. And they kept going. I said, why do these people keep going? I mean, all walks of life. Lawyers, doctors, Indian chiefs, street guys, uh, smugglers, uh, drug dealers. I mean, whatever you want to call anybody. Okay, whatever label you want to put on anybody. And they kept going. I said to myself, if they keep going, there's got to be something to this. Why would they keep going? You know? It's like going to the, the, the you got a drug dealer that has the best coke or the best drugs or heroin, whatever. And you keep going because he has the best. Well, obviously, these meetings or these therapies... They're the best because people keep going. Did you, uh, can you recall any specific uh, moments where the pull to go back and use was so strong? Um, can you recall any of those moments in early recovery? Well, where, I, I, and what did you do when you had those moments? Okay, here's the deal. Okay, when I would get stressed out or I get overwhelmed, I would start thinking about using. But then I started thinking because I learned in the program and I learned while I was in treatment that it's called, they call it stinking thinking. I said, oh, this is really corny, stinking thinking, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. But actually, they were right. And and so I, I had to change my where I was sitting. If I was in a room, I had to go take a walk. Uh, if I was, uh, wherever I was, I, if I can go to a meeting, go to a meeting, go to a church. I don't care where you go, but get out of the mindset that you're in. Okay. Okay. All right. But let me tell you the hardest part. It wasn't quitting the drugs. It was quitting the lifestyle. I was a drug dealer also. Okay. I also do collection. I used to do collection work for the smugglers. All right. And making all kinds of money. And now having no money in your pocket. Okay. And trying to fight this battle with this, this addiction, this monster. Okay. Uh, was getting more and more difficult. And then also more and more easier. You know, it all depends what day it was. <laughs> you know, but as yeah. time went on, I learned how to fight better. You know, karate, you learn how to fight, right? But the mo most important thing, everybody thinks it's how to block, how to attack. No, the most important thing for a fighter is how to face your fears. Hmm. Is how to face your fears. That's really hard, okay, because that takes a lot of courage. And it takes a lot of training. And the bottom line is, is that if you want recovery, you'll get it. Just like when you wanted your drugs, you got it. 
I don't care if you were broke. I don't care if we dropped you off in the jungle. You'll find the, the medicine man, you know. Um, the same energy that you put into your using, okay, you put into your recovery, and that's what I did. And it worked. I'm gonna, and it keeps working, okay? And yes, you know, but thinking about using, look, my life turned to so much shit, okay, in plain English, that thinking of using was like being going back into a nightmare and trying to hang out. Right, right. Okay? And it's not fun, all right? And whether I believed in what these people were saying, whether I believe in this recovery stuff is irrelevant, okay? Because the bottom line was I kept going, and then I wasn't using. I kept going, and my life got better, got worse, got better, got worse. But at least it was, there were was spurts of it getting better, even though it was that small. The other part, the other way, mm, the road was always just getting worse. And um, that's what this program's about, teaching you that there is hope, even though when you think you're hopeless. Okay, one of the major factors that we all need is called faith. That's believing in something that you don't know the outcome, okay, but you believe that it's going to work for you. And that belief carried me through. Even though I didn't like where I was going, even though I really didn't care for the people, okay, I just kept going. And uh, that's what works. But you got to work it, you know. You made a you made a great statement with um, with it was harder to give up the lifestyle than the drugs themselves because that kind of was what defined you, you know. Or if for, probably for all of us, uh, when you're using, you build a persona, you build a character that you're living. You're living for you. It was that kind of tough guy, you know. It was uh, if I'm not speaking out of turn, right? I mean, that's right. You were you were a little bit of the tough guy. You had all this stuff. You know what it was is I was I was doing my best to survive. You know, I mean, I only went to the ninth grade. Right. Uh, I knew all the, the bad guys in town. And uh, if you know all the bad guys in town, what are you going to hang out? You're going to hang out with the bad guys in town. <laughs> I mean, I was really insecure with doctors, lawyers, uh, people that had an education. Because I only went to the ninth grade. I couldn't spell very well. I felt that my accent, my New York accent, was like an aborigine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, I had all this this stuff going on in my head, which is don't believe everything you think because it's bullshit, okay? Uh, and, and and it was like, I don't know. It's just I just kept going. Well, you always do one way of living, and then you come in and you start changing and doing things differently and acting differently. You know, and you t I know the stories and the, and the things you did in the past, and I look at John today, and I look at one of the more gentle people that I know, uh, somebody who will tell somebody they love them, even if they barely know them. I mean, it's just kind of like your character to do that. Uh, loving, you love your family. Uh, you go out of your way to help people. Uh it's 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 a big switch from the picture you paint from your early life. Well, it's a process. So was there a point when you started to see the real benefits and you started to say, I can be the person that I want to be? Because I think that's where people are concerned. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to become, and that gets scary. 
But when you start to see, wow, I'm actually, people actually are starting to like me. I'm starting to like myself, all of that. I mean, do you remember that kind of change that started to happen? Well, I can tell you what I do remember, okay? I remember early in recovery, I think it was three months clean. I was broke as a joke. I get a phone call from a guy who wants three kilos of cocaine. And I told him, I'm in recovery. I don't do that anymore. He said, look, John, you don't have to do anything. Just introduce me to the people, and I'll give you a cut, okay? And then you go on your merry way. Well, that little demon jumped into my head. Sure. All right? I said, well, that makes sense. So I took this guy to the Colombians, okay? We sat down in the house. And these guys got guns all over the place and all this kind of stuff, and they had a kilo on the, on the table. And I start to put my finger in the kilo to taste the Coke. And I says, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. Okay? So I jumped up. Everybody went for their guns. I said, no, no, relax. I'm leaving. You make all the money. You make your decisions. I'm out of here. And I walked out the door. I sat in my car. I don't know how long it was. I cried. I was soaking wet, sweating. Okay, I, I, I just went through a whole metamorphosis of going back into that life for a moment in time and realized I no longer belong there. Mm. And that, from that day on, I, my journey started to change. And what made it work for me, okay, that I actually, after 25 years, I went back to school, okay? And I even try to sabotage it. When I went back to school, <laughs> I mean, you know, this is what we do. You know, here I am going to take a GED test. I don't open a book. I haven't been in school for 25 years. Who the hell, I don't even remember what I had for lunch. Never know what I learned in school, right? And even when I was in school, I was always the class clown and you know, all this other stuff. Right. That's all in my book, by the way. And um, <clears throat> I went in there. Uh, and I never forget it. I walked up to the counter, and there's this woman. She had her back towards me, and I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And I says, hey, lady, I'm here to take the test. She says, oh. And I said, hey, lady, I'm here. She says, oh, you must be wanting to take the GED test. That's why you're nervous. I looked at her and laughed. I says, oh, okay. And uh, I went into the, into the room. There was a proctor there, and there was a bunch of people in there. And the people kept on asking how to fill out the papers. And all it was is put your name, your address, you know, things like that. And I says, look, if these morons, okay, don't know how to fill out the damn application, I think I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, that's exactly how I think, right? So I took the test, and here I am, I got algebra. Who had algebra? I, then we had fractions. or the math. I never even remembered about my fractions. And I guessed through everything almost, okay? Right. So when I went back, everybody asked me, well, how'd you do? I said, I probably failed, you know? See, my, my fallback was, well, I failed because I didn't study. That right. was my fallback. You know, we always make all these things in our head, okay? Anyway, a month later or six weeks later, I get the mail and here's my, the mail from the place. And I says, uh, I opened up the letter and I passed. 
<laughs> says, they must have sent the letter to the wrong place. <laughs> so, I mean, Scott, I got to tell you, somebody was watching out after me. Okay, I passed the damn test. I says, how could this be possible? All right, it's all the little accomplishments that you don't think you can do, and when you succeed, okay, it builds up your confidence again. Okay, and the ones that you don't succeed in, you learn from. So when you do it again, yes, you overcome it. Yeah, you know, and 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 that's what helped me in my recovery. I started to people were pointing out the little successes that I had that I just discounted because right. either it was easy for me or I was lucky or something. Okay, which was bullshit. I worked for it, but. I didn't even want to recognize that. So early in recovery, just do small things. Keep your word. I'll tell you how you can keep your word. The easiest thing. Tell yourself you're going to make your bed in the morning. Okay? And make your bed. Tell yourself you're not going to eat that uh, McDonald's burger. You're going to get maybe a salad. And keep your word to yourself. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll take the burger. You guys could have the salad. I'll have the burger. Well, get a salad. Get a burger that's like a salad. Get a, there we a go. veggie burger. How's that? Ew. Well, oh, no, it's, it's probably good for you. It probably well, is. No matter fact, I'm not all there yet, John. No, no, I got to tell you something. Um, uh, these burgers that taste like meat? Yeah. I mean, they really do taste like meat. You know what else tastes like meat? Meat. Meat. <laughs> well, there you go. It's not for everybody. <laughs> John, you know, all of this information is really great. We, we've been spending a lot of time talking about, like, you know, uh, early recovery and stuff. But all of this stuff can creep up at any time. You know, I, you know, I had 13 years and I relapsed. So, I mean, these things can creep up at any time if you're not on top of doing the right thing, taking care of yourself and all that. Um, and as we go through on for other shows and stuff, we're going to be talking about a lot of these topics um again if you want more information if you want to reach out to us go to johnjgiordano.com all the information is there you can get in touch with us make sure that you like this video and uh, share it with your friends and certainly subscribe to the atc network on youtube thank you mm -hmm.